Welcome to Work Life Unbalanced. This tasty podlet is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions and Oracle Public Sector from the CPSHR Consulting Studios. Public sector leaders today aren't quite sure what to do in these changing times, and it's understandably so. Today, we talked to a panel of DEI experts about where you even start to operationalize DEI initiatives for an organization. So first off, I want to turn my attention to Jerry, CEO of CPS HR Consulting. Um, if you got a phone call, a leader-to-leader phone call from another organization, and the topic was around, where do I even start with this DEI stuff? How can, how can I... How can I help my organization embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion um, practices and principles? How do you respond to that? Uh, well, thank you, Jason. I think the first thing you have to do is take a step back and try to understand that everyone is going through this for the first time in a lot of cases. This is new to a lot of people. So there's going to be a lot of fear and uncomfortableness around uh, just even approaching the, the topic. So one of the questions I would ask is, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Have you identified it and have you framed it appropriately so that you know that you're not just shooting in the wind? Um, Who have you discussed with in your organization that this is an issue? Are you getting direction from above or is this something that's coming up at a ground level and, and innately is growing in your organization and you feel like you need to address it? So really trying to frame what's driving or what's the motivation behind trying to address this issue? And then once you uh, determine what the motivation is, then the question is, is what are you willing to do? You know, it's one thing to make um, messaging and um, do um, that t- type of communication. But if you want to bring about behavioral changes and or systemic changes within your organization, then you need to have some sort of an action plan. But you can't get to the action plan until you've actually framed what's the problem I'm trying to solve. And is it a problem that's solvable by me in the executive office alone or do I need to enroll the rest of my organization to address this? So that's where I would start in terms of trying to frame the issue and help them understand and feel comfortable in talking about the fact that this is new territory for them. And it's okay to not know and have an answer up front, that you have to be able to uh, lean into it and be willing to go into it and explore it um, with others um, who are probably just as uncomfortable as you are. And I think your ability oh, yeah. to be vulnerable... <laughs> Um, your ability to be vulnerable actually opens the door for others to speak into it with you. And I think that that's an important point because the the, the level of discomfort is universal. <laughs> you know, it's not just on one side or with one group of people. And it's really being, again, vulnerable, but keeping your mind open, keeping your ears open, keeping your eyes open about what's being said and not feeling like you have to either defend where your organization has been or explain some things that may have happened. You know, we're, we're trying to deal with the present moment and do better moving forward. So getting that initial assessment to figure out where, you know, where, where are you in this continuum exactly? And one of the things that we say with our initiatives is, you know, we meet you where you are. So whether you have started some of this work a year ago, two years ago, if you've literally just started right before you call Jerry, then wherever you are, we want to meet you there and, and, and help you, um, you know, uh, with your progress. I happen to be a big fan of Brene Brown and uh, her podcasts. And I was just listening to it this morning, actually. And uh, her earlier podcast, she talks about the FFT factor. 
Um, and I'll sanitize that for our, <laughs> this is a rated G podcast. It's a family channel. But, exactly. But it's the freaking first time. Mm -hmm. And um, the importance of recognizing that it's an FFT. It's the first time that we've ever been here. It's mm -hmm. the first time that we've ever dealt with a pandemic in modern era. Right. And the importance of really giving ourselves grace um, and giving ourselves enough emotional space so that we get to experience the experience. Um, so often when we go through difficult times, we want to revert back to the past or think about the good old days or just try to find some semblance of normalcy. And we get to, in this new era in which we find ourselves, recognize there isn't a new normal yet, and we're still developing that. So mm -hmm. let's give ourselves some grace and let's free ourselves from judgment. Yes. And I think that's so critical to right. actually right. to what both both of you were saying. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's important because I sometimes the guilt of not having done something in the past prevents us from going forward because Absolutely. we're afraid to show that. So when I talk about being vulnerable, I'm afraid to show maybe I didn't do enough in the past. Right. And so I'm not willing to dive into it now because then people will not. I'm afraid of that attack. So the question is, how do I now be, feel comfortable that with I can let go of that? Because now, as, as Regina said, we're trying to move forward and we're trying to develop and explore and create something new without being hung up with, we didn't do enough in the past. We know enough hasn't been done um, in the past. Everybody should just acknowledge that and say, now what is it we, what is it we need to do going forward? It's, it's day one, you know. So one of the things that um, Dr. Phil used to say all of the time is that sometimes when people start brainstorming is they want to continue to redefine the problem. So they just say, well, this is the problem. This is the problem. It's like, we know what the problem is, you know, but how are we going to put some action behind it? How are we going to transition? And I think historically what we've done, and Jacques and I have talked about this before, when we've done diversity training and you've done equity training, it's literally four hours on any given Sunday or whatever day. And it's like, okay, here's your certificate. And now go back to your organization. And exactly, you know, <laughs> you get your gold you star. Know, exactly. Pasco, you know, it's just like, okay, we did that. It's in our learning management system. But at the same time, what does that even mean after that day? You know, what does that look like in your organization? And I think where we are shifting and where we need to be mindful is that these initiatives and this transition is not going to be an overnight type of right. operation. Everything that we work with ourselves on internally at CPS and everything that we work with our clients on externally it's six months, it's 12 months, it's 18 months, and that's okay. You know, when you think about any type of transition, whether you're trying to stop smoking or lose weight or right. whatever, it'd be great if you could do that in a week, you know, but to really have some sustained results, you have to invest the time and give yourself that time to make that transition. It is absolutely a marathon as the yes, saying goes. Yes, exactly. Not a sprint. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a one and done. And I, and I just, one of my favorite sayings is you can't change what you can't see. And so it goes back to your point earlier of being transparent. It goes back to your point earlier of meeting, meeting the client where they find themselves, where right. they are. And in order for us to truly be of service, we have to get up under the hood yeah. and we have, to, uh, we have to create a safe space so that the client is comfortable in sharing that information with us. And then once we see what the situation is, now we can begin to address it and to move forward thoughtfully. But like you're saying, Regina, this is not a one and done. Right. Don't I think, expect this in 30 exactly. days. <laughs> and, and, and I think yeah. this gets to be a new way of being for, for public agencies, for the public sector, that this is a conversation that we get to have really for generations because when you look at the current system that we have, 
this is a system that has existed for 10 generations at least. Mm -hmm. And so in order to turn, you, we're turning a battleship here. It's not like we're, you know, popping a wheelie on a Porsche or a skateboard or something. So <laughs> it's going to take some time and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, back to the, you know, the question, one of the things that I would ask is how much disruption are you prepared to deal with? Because when with change comes disruption and productivity may go down a bit because you have people who are now engaging in uncomfortable conversations in uncomfortable space. And so are you willing to tolerate and dive into the disruption because that's what it's going to take? So for me, a part of the question is, is how serious and committed are you to doing this kind of work? Because this is not easy work. This is emotional work. Right. Um, and there might be some folks that um, don't want to come along and are you prepared to deal with that? I, a, a colleague of mine shared a matrix with me the other day and it's kind of interesting because I've used it in the past and it, it has four quadrants and it shows you where you're a champion, a newbie, um, a bystander or a bigot in the four quadrants of the diversity and inclusion matrix. And you have, it's, it's fun to go plot your organization because then you can determine where do I need to do the bulk of my work? And what happens is, we would typically focus on the lower quadrant, which is the biggest, which is about 10% of your population, versus saying the opportunity is with the core where there's 70 or 80% of my organization mm -hmm. that are all on board or and maybe they just need to be educated. And so to me, part of that question for the leader is what commitment are you prepared to put into this to get to solving whatever the problem is you framed? Consistently. You know, what, what, what work are you willing to do consistently? I think we've all been a part of initiatives where everybody's on fire about something for about two weeks. And then six months later, you're like, whatever happened to that thing we were talking about? So it's really about, you know, implementing that and then keep, keeping it in front of you all the time. So as you talk about kind of charting out an organization and where you are now, right? Obviously, there has to be a where I want to be. Right. And then there has to be a, how do I know I got there? Right. Right. And how, I mean, uh, obviously the, the, where do I want to be is probably a consultative process to figure out, you know, this is our, this is our end goal. But from the perspective of how do I know I got there? How do I know I was successful? Is there a way to measure that at all? Is there, is there any quantifiable metrics or, suggestions that that you could put in place to to measure just improvement in general i think through the discussion and the planning process you can set milestones because i think sometimes they want to go from a to z we want to leap and be done and that's not the way it works you have to i think set incremental uh, way stations or waypoints along the way that says we've improved in this area so whether it's communication whether it's our ability to relate to each other whether it's the way that we deploy services we have more contractors that we're now dealing with you know we're dealing with a different level of the public so i think there's so many things that you can look at in terms of setting a performance benchmark and then i think you just set it and then you start making um actionable plans to achieve those benchmarks along the way and you mark your progress as you go i don't think you can set on day one and say this is where we want to get to and know what it's going to look like when you get there i think you'll be you'll as you go through it the the learning and the process will inform the destination it's always interesting people think that progress is like linear 
right? <laughs> it's like I'm at point A and then see that point B over there and I'm going to go straight there. And even with like physical fitness, right? You, if you're, if the you're lifting injury, weights or whatever, yeah, the pain, and, the and suffering, yeah, you know? and and you know you're lifting a certain amount of weight one day, and that next day because your muscles are breaking down, then to heal stronger, right? So you might not be able to lift as much, yeah. and so it's this uh, even stock charts, same thing, right? They're going up and down, but there's a general trend, and so I think getting to the point where, like you said, you you pick a benchmark, just pick one figure out what it is, and then manage to that benchmark. And even if it's not the most ideal benchmark, it's, it's better than we're better than right. Right. You know? and, I, and I think that's where we sometimes do ourselves a disservice is you put these lofty goals out there that are going to be done within a fiscal year or within a calendar year or whatever. And here comes August, September, October, you're nowhere near where you thought you were going to be and you consider it a failure, but you really have to look back on where you were that January or that July 1st or whatever and think about, well, how far have we come? And even if the change is just incremental, it's definitely something you have to celebrate those wins. You know, you're not there yet. You're not at that finish line. And you may never be at the finish line because these are conversations, I think, that you need to continue to have within your organization. And you need to continue to replan and reiterate. And now we we did this, like I said before, you know, what you did 10 years ago or the, the training that we did 10 years ago is not going to be as effective today. And get to the point where you are thinking in terms of just continual progress, you know, continual conversation and not think of it, we have to get to this end point so we can move on to something else. And this is what we do in other lines of work in terms of managing the expectations of the clients. And I think what uh, we are experiencing and what we will continue to experience with this managing client expectations is a, is a strong education component that goes with it. Mm -hmm. So that as you're saying, Regina, when uh, we may not hit a benchmark as we as quicker as we anticipated, that still is not a lack of progress. There's right. still some progress right. to be made. It, and and you can put that in whatever frame you'd like. And I think it's important that you touched on education because when you think about it, you know, we all got our bachelor's degrees. You know, I got mine 100 years ago, you know, or when I my master's. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's really about lifetime learning. So Absolutely. I'm not going to go all the way back to Absolutely. beginning, but I am going to attend conferences. I am going to go to seminars. I am going to do read some books and have discussions about my area of focus for my career and not just think, well, I got a bachelor's degree 20 years ago, and that's the end of that. It's a continued process that you want to continue to implement in, in, in your organization and listen and learn from the people around you. And, and, you know, it's interesting because that's a key point because I think there we have this move on mentality. This is not an area where you can have a move on mentality. This is something that we will have to be working for quite a while. And I think the leader that comes into it with we're going to get this done and move on because I got all this other stuff on my plate is going down the wrong path. Thank you for listening to Work Life Unbalanced. I'm Jason Lichney. And I'm Regina Romeo. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Learn more at WLUBradio.com. <laughs>